This is the RPG Hour podcast. We are coming to you. Uh, I am Jonathan Andrews. I am Mr. RPG Hour, Larry Freeman. I'm Mrs. RPG Hour, Chelsea Freeman. And we have extra special guests today. Uh, why don't you guys introduce yourselves? Sure. Go name. ahead, Lou. It's all you, baby. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is Lou, Lou Agresta. I'm a co, co-owner of Iron GM Games and co-creator of Grimmer Space, which is what we're here to talk about. That's right. And I am Ron Barton, and what Lou said. Yeah, the other, <laughs> the other one. And these guys are brilliant, and we're really excited to talk about their creation. So, um, first of all, how's life been? You started your Kickstarter, what, was it 20, 20 days ago now, something like that? And it seems like you guys have just been on the media constantly. <laughs> I'm sure you guys are really tired. <laughs> That's right, <laughs> which is why the interview is going to be really slow. No. <laughs> We're, it's, it's been a roller coaster, that's for sure. Uh, it's our first Kickstarter, and I think I can speak for Ron and I both when I say um, it's like having a tiger by the tail that has dragon wings and is flying corkscrews uh, up and down. It's just... It's amazing you said you could speak for me because not in seven million years, even with hints, would I have gotten to that sentence. I know. <laughs> That's why I'm speaking for you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So, I'll just distribute it to Ron and it'll all be good. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so, roller coaster, tell us about how the, how the, how the um, Kickstarter has gone for you guys, like on the ground level. Well, I, I check the Kickstarter a lot, and then um, when I'm done with that, I check it again, and then I go back and I check it again, but then I go to sleep, but of course I wake up and I check it again. So Yes, I can relate to that. That's exactly how I would be. <laughs> Hold on one second. I just have to check it again. <laughs> and and one, one of the, you know, we divide uh, the various responsibilities. Some stuff we do together. Uh, Roan is... Um, primarily responsible for answering all the many questions and, and comments that come up. And when you have, what is it now, uh, over 1,700. 386. Uh, that that task alone is her, Herculean. Um, I, because people have some good ideas too, and they just give them away for free. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's easy to give away good ideas to someone who has such a compelling idea, right? Yes. What, what he meant to say he is, said. "Thank you, backers." <laughs> Perfect. Our, our huh? gratitude, our gratitude is payment enough. <laughs> okay, so, so I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, uh, that, that was basically it. It's um, <laughs> it, it's extremely time consuming. Um, it's very rewarding. It's very exhausting. There's a lot that you can't predetermine, so you have to strategize it on the fly. So we're we're constantly meeting with our um, our, our 
Kickstarter managers and and constantly making decisions. Um, wow, I didn't even. Yeah, I didn't even know there were Kickstarter managers. But I guess oh, they have to be. Sure. Yeah. Oh yeah, cool. it's 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 a full time job. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, we were told it would be, but I didn't. I didn't. I didn't really think it would be. My intuition is usually pretty good, but it, it failed me utterly on this one. Yeah. <laughs> it's just one of those things you can't appreciate until you're in the middle of it, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. It is, uh, yeah, no, as much work as you do, there's, there's more work to be done. Yeah. So I, I have a quick question. Uh, was it the Kickstarter manager's idea, or who I, whose idea was it to break apart your um, stretch goals the way that y'all did? Because I've, I've – followed I've backed a lot of Kickstarters in my day and I've never seen such a um uh, uh interactive leveling in, in regards to your uh the different levels. I'm trying to I'm trying to pull it up. Well, yeah. that's that's borrowed that's borrowed genius right there actually. That's not us. <laughs> I mean we got we got to we got to have input. But go ahead, Lou, give him the rest. <laughs> yeah, it's uh it is our Kickstarter manager, uh, Gamerati's brainchild about how to organize that. Um and the complexity is uh and 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 like one said I'd say the genius is in we started out with a product we would have been content to make and deliver. And with every stretch goal we've grown it toward our ultimate oh my god, if only we could make this product. And at any stretch, any step of the way, if the musical chairs had stopped and the Kickstarter had simply not grown anymore, that would have been the product that we made and that would have been okay. Um, and then to, to grow it along like that, we've got, you know, spreadsheet on spreadsheet on spreadsheet <laughs> mapping out every single um, next permutation and then how to present that and... Um, you know, because the numbers change, there's somebody on hand who's like we're making decisions about aspects of those on the fly and rushing to get them up. Um, and uh, but I, I will say our our layout person, Tiara Linagresta, had a, um, a just a brilliant insight on how to make that um, stretch goal bar graphic oh. and key relate to make sense. That's um, really iconic. Yeah, that was her. She 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 added her her genius there. So, so basically, a bunch of people who weren't us, it seems. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> we just sat there watching, going, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> that's the benefit of having a great team, right? Yes. Yeah. Is. Yeah. That's 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 very much the case. It's a team effort for sure. So who would you say is kind of uh, the person that you were most worried about during this entire endeavor in regards to potentially overworking themselves? <laughs> uh, I would I would definitely put that on Lou. Lou will, uh, <laughs> Lou will, like, go learn a language or a program. I mean, well, okay, so Lou just ran a Roll20 game, first for a group in England – and then for 
Ivan Van Norman from Geek and Sundry, James Sutter from Paizo, Cassandra Kaw, cool. and Skinny Ghost. And these are like big names. And Lou ran them through Roll20. The thing is, Lou didn't pick up Roll20 until Saturday. So he's a polymath, but he's also um, a masochist. So he will like say, I've got to learn this thing. I'm going to start at like 11 o'clock to learn it, so I'm ready at 12. Don't call me between 11 and 12, because I will back a case butt back into the Stone Age. And yet he has this ability to, to learn things incredibly quickly, uh, even unto self-harm. So when something needs to get done, Luke could have a migraine. He doesn't really take sick days. He's, uh, he's absolutely a, a workhorse. Somebody call Master Kramer? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> that sounds like a really good skill to have. <laughs> Um, yeah, and then of course next week I won't remember how to play it. <laughs> oh yeah, that's the downside. Well, that's that's the thing. That's the second half of the story, though. If you if you watch the little twenty, I was I was shocked. I mean, he just did so good. He had it mastered. You know, oh, I was looking at the UI and I was like, this is good. If you give me three weeks, I'm sure I can come up to speed on this. But you know, he was like running games professionally and really, really well. And he did it with a couple of days practice. So. I don't pay him to say this, by the way. I'll take for it. Thank you, Ron. That was very sweet. Absolutely true. I, well, I guess, what's good? What, what's what's Ron's best quality then? Well, what is complimenting Lou? To... <laughs> I'm the hype man for Lou. Lou's out there going, yo, 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 what's up with that? I'm like, hey, Lou's in the house. You know, so make noise on the side and point to him. No people, they just got served by Lou. That's kind of it. If I was, if I was going to put it out there, I would say um, vision and exacting standards are some of Roan's many invaluable um, assets. He's got an ability to see and put his finger on creatively exactly what's going to make something unique, going to make it special, going to make it yeah. really ju juicy and valuable, and it's um you know regular art regular art and creativity and writing goes to ten, but because of Roan, ours goes to eleven awesome. right? <laughs> like it's uh there's just this extra there that if it wasn't for him, it rises from good to great because of Roan. yeah, and but so you know, I actually do pay Lou to say that ten <laughs> <laughs> My mom's She's expecting her check. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sounds like he also keeps things um, lighthearted. <laughs> oh, I keep things lighthearted, but I'm also very passionate. So I get, I get pretty uptight at where the periods go. You know, I'm like, you know, it's just like it matters. This matters, <laughs> and Lou's like, okay. Where do you want the periods to go? Yeah, so I, I, I take some like I, I'm I'm uh, I'm very passionate, and and yeah. that uh, it, like like Lou said, it leads to it leads to a high standard, but it also leads to Lou having to um, endure me and try to hear my voice over the squeak of my artistic soapbox beneath me. You know, <laughs> <laughs> and another thing about great art. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but that sounds like exactly the kind of person I want working on my RPG setting. 
<laughs> Jonathan, you are that person. <laughs> Thank you. Well, about the setting. So I'm going to pitch Grimmer Space to my gaming group. What do I say? Well, Grimmer Space is a Starfinder compatible sci-fi horror setting set in a distant galaxy, the most distant galaxy. So I guess the way you'd approach approach your group would depend on how you want to play Grimmer Space. Do you want to play it in the Grimmer Space setting? Do you want to port stuff out into your Starfinder game? Or do you want to do you want to port stuff out to a homebrew? But if you want to play in the Grimmer Space setting, this is a horror setting. Every part of it is designed to create a feeling of being scared, but also giving you a chance to be heroic, rise up against your fears, not only conquer it, but be the thing that the boogeyman is afraid of. So it's, um, yeah, it's not just being scared. Eventually, it's kind of like, did you ever see... Did you ever see Ash, uh, the, the Evil Dead 2 or something, where, where he's got Bruce oh, yeah. Campbell and he's in this house and it's attacking him and he's losing his hand and the moose over the fireplace starts to laugh at him and eventually he's just laughing back at it and strapping on a chainsaw and saying, let's go. <laughs> you know, there's yes. a certain point, I guess, around level five or level six where you're just like, okay, let's do this thing, you know? And, I, and Grimmer Space lets you do that well, you know? So... So we have uh, many different types of horror, and one of the things your players might want to know, or you might want to yeah. know from your players, is what kind of horror do you like? Do you like that cosmic Lovecraftian horror? Do you like mm-hmm. body horror, like basket case? Do you like do you like rural horror? You want to go up against Jason Voorhees, but on a distant planet? Any kind of horror that would work in a horror movie will work in Grimmer Space. We're just putting it somewhere. So what we do is we label each adventure, and we've got a lot of them. Our core uh, setting an adventures book is half adventures so that you yeah. can not only read about a place, you can actually experience it by being there. And every, every location in the book has a matching adventure. Oh, neat. And it also labels it. Like, this is surreal horror. What does that mean? Uh-huh. Well, like, you know, imagine Inception, but it's scary. Any Cronenberg film, you know? So... <laughs> So depending on uh, or survival horror, like you see in the video games, or there's 15 different types of horror that we've identified, even war horror, uh, not unlike the movie Overlord, any sort of horror where a military group finds them in a situation where they're lost, and even though they're tight-knit and good at fighting, it only serves them so much. They're dealing with something beyond what their weapons can handle, and great horror can stem from that. So a lot of our adventures will be a blend. It'll be a bit of a cocktail between a few different subgenres. We label those clearly on each adventure so that depending on the taste of your group, we also label, you know, intensity. So depending right. on the threshold and the preference of your group, you can give them exactly the adventure they might want to play. Yeah, also mm-hmm. labeling them also labeling them by length and like Rose said, supporting um a variety of approaches, whether you're bringing in your Starfinder characters or whether you want to pretend like the default Starfinder setting is not connected, because that's the well, source of where magic's leaking in from. So, well, yeah. Uh, the, the only thing I have to add to that is say it again, Ron. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know I love, if it's, uh, an art influence or if it's uh, if there's a direct influence but was there any influence 
from uh, the alternative setting from uh, second edition and uh, the Spelljammer. Because uh, I've seen some of the artwork looks like it. I don't know if that's just a art influence or if that's actually in well, the game. As the art director, um, was, was Wolfgang Alternative or who, who is yeah. Alternative? Yeah. yeah, okay. So so our friend did Alternity. I actually never saw Alternity. Um, sorry, Wolfgang, you're, you're a genius, and I'll look into it. But um, yeah, Wolfgang Bauer did Alternity. And I did own the Star... I owned the Spelljammer uh, box set way back in the day. Uh, back when it was just a box set, and what was that? Was that second edition? Or? Yeah. Second edition, I can't yeah. even remember, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I own that, and I thought it was really interesting. I thought the I thought the idea that there was an enigmatic ship, this ineffable craft that um, they then made an expansion where I think they worked out like the decks of what it would look like inside. Mm-hmm. I found the mystery of Spelljammer really interesting, but I don't remember a lick of the art. So if there's any <laughs> any time somebody's uh, you know, it may just be that things that are well developed might share certain aesthetics in a way. The Grimmer Space aesthetic was not. By design, the original artist that I was looking at versus the artist that wound up hiring, my own concept for what it was I was looking for didn't crystallize until the look started to evolve with the artist. So it was an initial vision where we wanted certain things to come across, we wanted certain moods, and yet the artist really helped make it the case. But working in tandem with each of them eventually, and they all agree, even when we asked for a, a new piece recently, somebody said, here, I think this is better. I think this has the Grimmer Space look. So we're hoping that we do actually have a look. The artists think we do. I think we do. And if it looks like, you know, famous franchises like Alternity, uh, great games like, you know, Spelljammer that still has a following, uh, I'll take it. Yes, yes, I meant to do that. I, I, I studied them and I... <laughs> Yes. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I own some. I own some of the alternative books. Um, I've never opened them. Sorry, Wolfgang. Oh no. Uh, sorry again, Wolfgang. Wolfgang. We. we... <laughs> sorry. See you at Don't don't, don't not write for us now. <laughs> Smile. You know he's doing. A, he, Wolfgang's actually doing a monster for him. We a monster for our uh, Xenophiles. Yes, Gary book. We unlocked that stretch goal. So he'll be do well, he was gonna do a creature for us until we opened up a mouth and interview. Edit, 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 edit. Okay, so how brilliant was Wolfgang again? <laughs> so brilliant. Unsparingly so. <laughs> I love how intentional you guys are about the horror in this. So, what led you to this fifteen categories of horror? What, what, what? How did that become a thing? Research, Brown's idea, and then research. Right? I mean, that's the short answer. Yeah. I'd say. <laughs> yeah. No, because you you know that there's you know that there's different types of horror, and then I first went to, uh, oh, just a great site called TV Tropes, because I said, I bet you <laughs> TV Tropes has a good breakdown for horror, and they did, but I also realized it wasn't comprehensive. Lou looked at a PhD paper on horror that had some wow. extra extra sub- subgenres that I thought were pretty apt, and I thought some of them folded into each other, and so we just made a choice on you know which name to call it, 
And then there was one that I identified that I didn't see on anybody's list, and that is War Horror. And whether it's uh, The Keep or whether it's Overlord or Michael Perret films where there's strange things under the sand and people in a rock are getting their arms wrapped up by monsters, whatever it is, there's, uh, there's definitely a category called War Horror, and it would seem a shame to just not... Branded. You could call it military horror, but war horror sounds so good. You know, the horror of war. And so, uh, but, mil- but military horror slash war horror shows up in a lot of movies. And obviously, if you've got a party of people armed to the teeth, taking on things beyond their control, it's yeah. pretty perfect for gaming, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so so we looked at all those different sources and, and, and did a synthesis of them. And like Ron said, made a couple of choices. You know, because the, the popular wiki-like things like TV tropes or even Wikipedia, they, you know, that's not exactly a rigorous attempt to establish categories. And something um, academic can be dry, overly defined, and spend so much time talking about how it defines its categories without actually defining anything that, Absolutely. you know, you're, you're ready to put a gun in you. You know, but... Uh, <laughs> yes. Between looking at all of those sources and then discussing it, and 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 Brown is uh, I wouldn't say just a cinephile; he's an encyclopedia of film, <laughs> and um, he could match up what was being spoken about in theory with with our specific categories, you know, of horror right off the top of his head and illustrate um, it, um, yeah. and even go so far as to write a series of essays that I I consider um, independently publishable that that um, will be handed to each of our writers on what is horror in humor space and how to handle it. So Yeah, you mentioned those in another there. interview. Uh, I want those I want those. Publish them so I can get them. <laughs> right. <laughs> continue I continue to encourage you to do that, Ron. <laughs> sure. Let's, that. let's so put it in the hands of the actual Grimmer Space writers first. Otherwise yeah. we'll see, you know. Grimmerer space come up before. Right. Sorry, we didn't deliver Grimmer space. We're too busy writing these essays for a horror magazine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm editing the fourth draft. Yeah. <laughs> Respect my gift. Yeah. No. Um, so uh, I, I kind of going back to just uh, cinema and definitely influence. Um, with uh, talking about the war horror, uh, I, I definitely get that feel in a lot of the art, uh, kind of like a drawing to that um, sort of not just feel, but just overall. Uh, and I have to say, it, it feels the way that y'all did Grimmer Space uh, art and description feels a lot different than something like Warhammer 40K, which I think a lot of people are going to look at and say, oh, well, you know, there's that guy that looks like a space marine, and there's <laughs> that guy that kind of looks like that, you know, you could kind of sort of relate some of the aliens, but not really. And I, I know that there are people mm. who parallels, but um, I, I definitely think that there's not enough war horror out there, and the fact that y'all are kind of drawing to it personally is a drawing and selling point for me. Um, <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's <laughs> Well, hey, hey, uh, GrimmerSpace.com. Head on over right now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Chill, monkey, chill. Um, the, um, it's interesting that you, you, you mentioned that we, um, 
part of Roan's um, focus on standards, and, and of course a position that I endorse wholeheartedly, is to always be original. Um, because hmm. if you're not being original, like, what the hell are you doing? Like, what's the point? <laughs> um, and nonetheless, despite uh, a decided um, attempt to, you know, uh, not attempt, a decided success at doing something very different, um, <laughs> one of the very first comments that anyone ever said on Facebook when it went live was a disparaging oh. sniff. Oh, I bet it's just some sort of 40... 40k clone um and so we i came in on that thread i'm like well actually sir to disagree and and pointed out a whole bunch of different reasons why that's not the case and that guy went on to become sort of a super backer of ours um and and an out in front fan um when he when he saw that that it was indeed quite different yeah. Are you talking about Scott? No, before Scott. <laughs> Who's Steven? Yeah, Steven. Oh, yeah. See, that's the thing. Like, we can name those people who are so out in front because they're, <laughs> they're so positive and they're so helpful. And uh, and some of them just definitely started off on the other side of the fence. What are you doing over there? But then we invited them over it. And now we picnic together. So. Your lawn is probably just like every other lawn. I don't believe it's going to be good. Oh. <laughs> Oh, okay. I like you guys now. <laughs> it's like that alley cat you learn the trust of. Eventually, it's your best friend. <laughs> so uh, we've been at this for about a half hour. I know you guys have probably got stuff that y'all want to do. So uh, the last question I'm going to ask is uh, for each of you, what was your favorite um a stretch goal to work on uh, and uh, that you just absolutely, as soon as y'all hit it, uh, couldn't contain your excitement? That's interesting. I know the stretch goal that I'm really excited about hasn't happened yet, the one that I most <laughs> jazzed for, because it's, it's, it's the big one. It's the big one. It's the, most, it's the most ambitious one. It's the most creative one. So we've had, we've had stretch goals that I think are pretty reasonable, you know, um, just every couple of thousand dollars, there's there's a new stretch goal, um, and it makes the monster book bigger, or it makes the core book a little bigger, right. and those entries unto themselves are all are all really rewarding and fun to write up. But the thing that we have planned will actually be a major. If it happens, it'll be a major content fattening stretch goal that'll allow us to really spread our wings. And um, I, I guess that's all I could say, right, Luke? Yeah. Uh, no, I'm excited. Uh, yep. <laughs> so I, I, I have so, a two-phase answer to that. Um, yeah, the, Luke's uh, more judicious than I am, so let's just go with whatever you one, one of the most exciting specials for me is the one that's happening right now. And uh, the one that takes us to, is it right now or the next one? The one that takes us to 125. Yeah. Um, and well, what's the stretch goal? I don't know, but it takes. Otherwise, it's just numbers. What are we? Right. <laughs> oh, you just want the money? No. <laughs> the stretch goal that excites me most is the one that gets me one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars. I don't well, care what it's about, man. Yes, but here's why. Because at that moment, I know oh, yeah. we can deliver the book 
that I envisioned from day one. Ah, yeah. Right? That there's there's nothing that we've thought of creating for the first phase of this because this is not just a one-off. We're going to be we're launching a company and we intend to be doing this for a while. Um, yeah. But the first phase of this that we envisioned back in my kitchen, you know, two years ago, um, at 125,000, there's nothing we thought of that won't be be able to go into the book. Um, and so that is a watershed and exciting moment for me. Yeah. Um, but the other thing that I'm super excited about is the same thing that we're all excited about. <laughs> the, the stretch goal that we're we're laying out there for the end week. It's the it's the caster of stretch goals. It's the stretch goal that's the lucky name. Right. Surrounded by value. You're going to have to tune into GrimmerSpace.com and find out what it is. <laughs> well, at least tell us how many of our friends we're going to have to get to get to fund the campaign to uh, to get this stretch goal. Because now I'm really excited. Yes. <laughs> What's the dollar amount so that we can harass people to go? I'm sorry. It's so hard to hear you. I apologize. Say that again. I'm sorry. I'm she was sure. saying she could harass people. Yes. <laughs> I was like, what's the dollar amount so we know how many people to harass to get them to put some money into it? Listen, let me answer this question. How many people do you know, do you think? (laughs) There's a lot of really nerdy people at the company we work for. Um, I do a lot of favors for a lot of people in the company. So I could probably harass quite a few. Well, then, I think that's the answer. And Are you asking about pledge levels? Is that what you're asking about? Uh, no, no. The, the, the secret that y'all, the secret stretch goal that y'all aren't letting us know, we were just trying to find oh, out. How many do, people do we need? Yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a money amount more than people, I suppose. So we will, we will announce it. We're working on it now. We're packaging it now. But if it happens, it's going to be a whole lot of gaming sexy in one place. And it's something we think people are really going to want. We don't know if we'll hit it. It's ambitious. But if we can, it'll allow Grimmer Space to just, you know, just kick butt right from the start in a way that was beyond what we originally imagined. It's not only, we were saying at 125, we get the original book, the original setup that we wanted, and that's fantastic. But since then, there's been some other ideas some big ideas, oh. and this one stress goal would let us yeah, some make them informed, tr- Yeah, some of them informed by backers, you know, what, they, what they've talked about wanting or wanting to see. But, yeah, very uh, true. But if you can bring us another 500 backers, we're going <laughs> to put your name in the inside cover of the book. <laughs> we're going to do everything we can. <laughs> <laughs> So, Jonathan, do you have any more questions? Oh, I did. I did. You know, um, on the Python forums, one guy asked if Solarians have a place in Grimmer Space. And I've heard a lot about Vody Marines. I've heard a lot about uh, the Thunder Mages. But, but, but you guys have been kind of close to the chest on, on what Solarians are in, in Grimmer Space. Are they magical? Are they scientific? Are they psionic? Do they sure. have a place in Grimmer Space? Sure. Well, everything that is in the Starfinder, uh, the default Starfinder role-playing game setting um, can have a a place in Grimmer Space. 
Uh, and th- this goes back to what Roan was saying at the beginning about the kinds of play. So there's a couple of – we have magic bleeding into a non-magic, a science-only galaxy for the first time. Yeah. And so as that magic arrives for the first time through a space-time uh, connection called the Seed, uh, it, it's coming in from the default Starfinder role-playing game universe, and it's showing up in Grimmer. Do I have everybody? Yeah. So yep. sorry about that. Yep. We got disconnected. <laughs> yeah. No worries. Oh, you missed the part where we were, oh, I was brilliant and didn't like stammer throughout. Yeah, magic. I know, right? <laughs> 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 it was so insightful. Everybody was just talking about how insightful it was. So, yeah. So that's yeah, uh, yeah. that's you know we have a we have our own take on magic and of course you you can play really there's a lot of customizability you can you can play our sitting any way you like, and there's no character class you can't use, as Lou was saying. I'm really excited to see what you guys have come up with for this moat thing. That sounds awesome to me. <laughs> you said yeah, it's more was, uh, yeah. right? Exactly right. It's dark. It's, yeah, it's dark. It's like, who's supplying yeah. it? Who's it going out to? There's there's a purpose behind it. There's a cabal that distributes it. What's and going on with this moat stuff? Yeah. Awesome. yeah, lots of setting secrets, lots of fun stuff. So, yeah, magic is a lot of intrigue and, and very dangerous. Tell, and, tell them how you inject and, uh, it, though. What? Oh, yeah, no, you just you put the little thing in the little monocle, and you stick it in your eye, and it stabs your eye and injects Whoa, you with the magic. Oh, cool. <laughs> Yikes. So you really got to want it. You, know, you really got to want it. Right? <laughs> so, so now we're, now we're uh, playing at Hellraiser. I was thinking of the cell. <laughs> oh, yeah. <I> think, <laughs> you know, the um, the Cenobites wanted to show up and the Thunder Mages scared <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll be honest. Uh, that's probably going to be uh, to the bane of anybody that sits at the table uh, when I run it. Uh, there's <laughs> from things. Uh, oh, I'm not playing. I'm going to have nightmares. <laughs> 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 Cenobites are definitely a good part of that, uh, along with aliens. And... That a thousand percent is not happening. <laughs> <laughs> la, 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 in the corner. La, la, la. No. <laughs> I'll do a few things for you. We've, we, we've, we've had that happen. I mean, we, we wrote... Um, Richard Pett wrote our first adventure. It was also his first ever horror adventure. He's a he's a big Paizo fan favorite. Uh, space horror adventure, I mean. He's a, he's a Paizo fan favorite and a, and a past master of horror and RPGs. And the first adventure we wrote is called Abattoir 8. It's available for free download as part of the Groomer Space Kickstarter until the end of the Kickstarter. Uh, you can get it for free um, just right on the GroomerSpace.com page. But when we ran people through it, um, a couple of times we got to certain areas and the universal response at the table was, nope, 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 not going there, nope, going in the other direction, nope. That was his first yeah. space horror. It's brilliant. First, his first space horror, yeah. <laughs> Very cool. And I uh, love the way you guys added little B, uh, GM uh, hints in the book in, to make the in, to make your personal adventure better. It's just, oh, you had that's, that. That's great. I love it. <laughs> oh, great! Yeah, yeah. The okay. GM hints were a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. And um, we we run. I also run a tournament at Gen Con where um, 
DMs improv off of uh, elements we give them to make adventures on the spot and they get judged oh, on fun. what they did. And, yeah. and they win prizes, and everybody wins prizes, and we give out like 30,000 in prizes to all players and GMs at uh, the World Championship at Gen Con. Yeah. And those, those GMs sponsors. are the Iron GMs, and, and uh, we talk with them a lot, and they have a lot of good ideas about how to oh. enhance the game. So, yeah. so we, we were actually pulling on uh, partly our own, but you know, partly their their wisdom and insight. So wait a minute. Uh, we Why do a lot of not published? <laughs> Why have you guys not published a GM's guidebook yet? If you have Lou used to actually talk about writing a book about GMing. He's a he's a right. fantastic GM. Right. Thank you. All right, guys. Sorry we haven't delivered Grimmer's Face. We've been busy writing horror essays. Yeah, let's call the whole Kickstarter. Write that book about GMing. But... <laughs> And and narrative play, how to add narrative play to your your dungeons and your your uh, Starfinder? Let's write that one too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> one day, sir. One day. Looking forward to it. But no oh, thank you. Stupid. <laughs> and anything else we can tell you? Anything else you'd like to know? Ooh, so many things, but. <laughs> Uh, let's see. I, I think oh. at this point we got to wait for the books to come out uh, to get the okay. all the rest. One more thing, though. Oh, just okay. one more. I promise. It's the last one. <laughs> all right. The Hodrak, man. They've got bo- they've got bone that's like laced with heavy metals, right? That sounds awesome. Right. Yep. Tell us more about the Hodrak. Well, the Hodrak come from a a planet with. A lot of radioactivity, a lot of heavy metals, be totally toxic. It would just be a you-die planet for a human. And they come from a <laughs> part of Grimmer Space that nobody travels to. It's called the Gyre. It's basically off the map. Yeah. And they grew up on a planet where uh, they evolved on a planet where they actually chelate the heavy metals out through their natural bone armor. So when you see a Hodrak, you're probably just seeing it naked, but you can't tell because it just looks like a <laughs> seven-foot-tall person in in bone armor. They're complete, you know, head to toe, all armor, no flesh showing. And <laughs> that arm, that that bone is that's their natural body. So they can they can run in that stuff. They can hustle. Uh, they can climb, and it's as like strong as power armor. They also uh, have warrior clans and, and different groups, and they have different roles in society depending on how they bind their bones, the way you bind a bonsai tree. So they can, huh. when they start to grow bones, they custom bind themselves in their youth so that they grow their bones in a certain way and for a Function. certain purpose. Yeah, and, societal and, so, and they also decorate. So say we've got like a Hodrak <laughs> mini. It's pretty cool. But you can customize that Hodrak mini any way you like because depending on the squad they're in, they paint their bone, they dye it, they they, uh, they do scrimshaw on it. They'll you know they'll do anything to mark themselves in interesting ways. So they're a very yeah, self-decorated, cool. uh, proud, dangerous warrior race. And when they were fleeing the gyre, yeah, why did that happen? Tune in, same bat channel. Right. <laughs> While they were fleeing the gyre and they were deciding, well, we just got to the top of this galaxy, now let's go conquer everybody. They saw that <laughs> purple-white tear in the nighttime sky that the Thunder Mages came through. 
Only thing is, in ancient Hodrak legend, they're supposed to go there. That's that's <laughs> where they're supposed to go. They're supposed to follow. That's what their mythology little... says to do, yeah. So they wind yeah. up, just because of their own mythology, whether fated or accidental, many of them wind up being the shock troops of the Thunder Mages. Cool. So the Thunder Mages don't just come with um, incalculable agenda and sorcery. They also are oh. handed shock troops that would make, you know, like stormtroopers, but cooler and more dangerous. Right. How, much, right. how much is the way it was and how much is clever Thunder Mage co-opting? Who knows? Huh. Uh-huh. But they, they'll just also, they have these huge, like, they'll have like their hall bearer type tribal weapons. They've got you know, good hand-to-hand weapons, but they also have these big sort of football-shaped uh, blasters. Overclocked. They shoot ra- they're overclocked. They shoot radiation, and they'll cool. just, just kill the heck out of you. But because they're immune to the radiation, these weapons are sloppy. These weapons are like just portable Ooh. dirty bombs with the yeah. with the cover off. So you as a human would uh, not want to pick up their gun or be anywhere near it. You know, it's a, I don't know if you've seen Chernobyl on HBO, but it'd be about that bad. Or, or, or you do, but you just don't. You're just going to survive. You're just going to accept the after effects. You know, you're going to accept the side effects. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on, Master Chief. You don't want to pick up that alien weapon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they're 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 a really neat group, and we'll get into their culture and and their uh, overtly. It's it's obvious to see what they are, and we'll get into the nuance of them in the book. But yeah, the Hodrak are are a pretty cool nemesis, and they're our big warrior race. Like if you if you uh, the warrior nemesis race. If you go to like Star Trek, for instance, you had you had the Borg in STTNG, and then in Deep Space yeah. Nine. You had the like the Jem Hadar, you know, yeah. and you've always get just some brutal militaristic race that you don't have much of a chance of taking on directly, right. and uh, that's probably that's what the Hodrak are for us. And yet, uh, not all of them are necessarily with the Sunder Mages, and that huh. can lead to some intriguing game as well. Well, that's cool. So, really, what you want to do is modify osteoporosis. And <laughs> get it to them, and basically their armor and weapons are going to completely just fall apart. <laughs> yeah. I think like you just broke the game, brother. Like just broke the game. Bioweapons. <laughs> brilliant. It's brilliant. <laughs> and once again, our gratitude is enough. <laughs> <laughs> So okay, once the book is out, bring us back on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, I, I wish we could say we'd meet up with you guys, but I, I honestly don't know the, the first chance we're going to get to get out to any kind of convention, if at all, this year. So. <laughs> uh, we're right outside the front door, just staring creepily at the front door, <laughs> wondering if we should knock. So let us in. I'm moving to a window. <laughs> scratch, 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 scratch like a glitch boy. Blue, scratch like a glitch boy. You have to invite us in. <laughs> but if you are at Gen Con, make sure you let us know. Yeah, if anything changes, uh, that'll definitely be. There's a short list of people that 
personally, I'm like, no, 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 we have to go see these people, uh, and and definitely you guys are on that list. So, well, thank you. We made it short. Let's go. <laughs> cool. Well, thank awesome. you guys Thanks, so man. much. Uh, I definitely have to say I, I'm more excited about this uh, than I was when uh, I, I read about it, and uh, Jonathan was like, hey, go check this out. Uh, I just say, uh, I'm a lot more excited about it than when I first heard about it. So I definitely think awesome. Cool. That's great. Thank you for the opportunity to talk rumor space. Very much appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Have a good night. You too.